Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. It's important for us to remember that we are lifelong students of Jesus. You know, Joe can attest to this. If you, if you look at the, the great sports athletes, the, the greats, they, they always have this kind of attitude that they they're keep on learning. It doesn't matter if at the end of their career, they've already achieved, you know, multiple championships and accolades. They have this attitude, every day I just keep grinding, I keep learning, I keep perfecting my craft. And so they have this realization that, you know, you have to keep getting better. You have to keep having this hunger to be better, to be more, to, to be teachable, to be open for progressing. Because as soon as you stop that, as soon as you stop being open to to learning and developing and, and, and going forward in life, you're actually going backwards. And so if that is true for sports, how much more should it be true for our lives when there's so much more at stake than a medal? You know, if anything that Christianity teaches us is that life is about more than me. And, you know, as we think about our lives, we've, you know, maybe it's because I just had my second child. I'm starting to think about, you know, legacy and, and all these things like that in my life. Like, I've got to leave a legacy for my children. Um, you start to think about, you know, your dads and your grandfathers and, and what they've achieved in their life. And, you know, especially true for my family. My, my family has achieved a lot when it comes to economic success and status. Um, but, you know, the, the one thing I would probably is say to, to, to uh, my, my uh, parents or, or those that have gone before me is that, you know, don't judge your life by your bank balance or what you have left in your asset column. Because, you know, one day your job will be someone else's. One day your house will be someone else's. One day your money will be transferred to someone else. These things are temporary in life. But what, what you can take with you, what you can be proud of is the decisions that you make in your life. The footprint that your life has had, you know, and so I, I try to encourage my family in that, and, and also just encourage myself is, you know, sometimes your bank balance might not be looking great, uh, you, you, you might be in between jobs or whatever, but the relationships that you've invested in, the footprint that you've had on people's lives, the influence you've had, that is something way more precious, and so that's something that we need to be intentional with, that we want to be better friends, we want to be better sons, we want to be better uh, sons and daughters, husbands and wives, you know, mothers and fathers, co-workers. We want to be better because we want, to, we want to love people better. We want to care for people better. We want to leave a footprint that we can be proud of. So we need to take, be intentional about this, that realize that we are students of Jesus. We are trying to imitate Jesus, the love that he had, the grace that he had for people, that heart that he had. And so we have to realize that we're not going to get there, you know, overnight. We, we, we have to work at this. God has to point on things in our lives through the Holy Spirit and go, hey, you need to make a change here. You, you, need, you need to adjust here. You, you need to let go of this. You need to allow me to heal you in those areas. You need to allow me to work for you in a greater level. You need to trust me in a greater level. All of these things, this is part of the journey as a Christian. God is constantly asking us and challenging us to make transition. And so the, the, the thing is, is that God wants us, us to stay dependent on the Holy Spirit and his word to guide us through our lives. See, because everyone's journey or lesson plan, if you like, it's unique. 
And the reason why that is is because we, we've all got different backgrounds, we've all got different situations, we all come from different places. So, of course, the things that a challenge to us might not be a challenge to the next person. The things that we are strong in or we find easy might not be necessarily true for the next person. And the reality is that we all have things to work on, right? We all have areas where we're strong and where we're weak. And so comparison really, when you think about it like that, is just foolishness, right? The Holy Spirit is here as a teacher for us. The lessons that he wants to teach us might not be the same for the person sitting next to you. But these are really important lessons. He's like sitting over our shoulder, just like a parent with their child. And we should really be attentive to what he's trying to say to us. He's trying to make adjustments in the way that we live for the benefit of all. He's trying to help us. But you know, if you've, if, if you've got toddlers and you've ever done that, you, you try to help them. You, you see that like maybe the coloring in a book and you're like, that's the wrong color. Or you're like, you, now you want to go inside the line or you know, you're just trying to help them or... He's bro- like, Levi's broken something, and I'm just like, you know, if you just put it there, it'll work. And he's like, no, no, I got this. And you just see him struggling away. He's just so stubborn. And sometimes we can be a bit like that, you know, like the Holy Spirit's just like, you know, just try it a little bit differently. Hey, maybe you should just take a break. And we're like, no, I got this. I got this. And so we kind of have, have to let go of that, like, childish attitude. And that's part of the maturing on our journey is that we have to, crave that wisdom. We have to crave that input from the Holy Spirit. Lord, what do you want me to do to be better? How can I be a better father? How can I be a better husband? These are the questions I'm asking myself. And you know, sometimes the answers I get are not so easy, and I'm not maybe ready to make that adjustment. But we should really seek out that wisdom, just like it says in the Bible, like it's gold, because that is the thing that is really going to make an impact on what we leave behind, right? Last week, Shethel shared a message from his heart on his relationship with Jesus. How many of you were here last week? Uh, I'm just, uh, I wasn't trying to like do a survey. Okay, those people, please pray. <laughs> it was a great sermon. And if you didn't listen to it, you can go on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and you can listen to it, last week's message. And uh, Shethel just really shared from his heart about a place I think many of us have been in. And you, you hear that God loves you. And you know from the Bible that it must be true. And maybe it even makes sense to you, but you kind of struggle to accept it. And, and this, again, can vary very much from one person to the next. I mean, if you haven't grown up in a loving family with a father that loves you, of course, you're going to struggle to comprehend how a father in heaven can love you. And so that's going to be a lot longer journey than maybe the next person that's grown up and, and had and had the love of God modeled for them in their household through their parents. You know, it's a challenge on different levels for different people. And so last week, I think it was a really important message that Shetel shared, how for years he just grappled with this idea that God could love him. And it was just head knowledge for him. Until the point one day that it actually became heart knowledge for him. He actually... He actually had a revelation of how much God loved him. And because of that, because of that revelation, that changed everything for him. That changed his identity. That, that brought about security in his life. That meant he was able to grow and just mature in his relationship with him, where he could actually get to the point where he could truly love God back because he realized how much he was loved by his heavenly father, his heavenly father. And that is so important, that, that security 
that knowing that Jesus loves us despite our shortcomings, despite who we are or what we've done. Because if we don't get to that point, we're always going to be trying to prove ourselves. We're always going to be trying to earn God's love. We're always going to be just grappling, striving, trying to do things in our own strength. It's only when we come to that place we realize that God loves us unconditionally, just as a, a mother should love their child unconditionally, that we can have that security that you know, I can just rest in his grace. I can just trust God with my future because I know that he is faithful. I know that he's never going to abandon me. He's never going to let me down. I'm never going to disappoint him so much that he's going to give up on me. He is in with this with me for the long haul. Such an amazing revelation. So such an important transition. And so that's really what I want to talk about today is as I look through the journeys that we all have, there's important parts in our journey where we, God is asking us as an individual to make a transition. And I think you can find that throughout the Bible. Any relationship between a shepherd and a disciple, there is points where they challenge the disciple to make a change, to make an adjustment, to transition to a new level of maturity, a new level of trusting. And so... I want to kind of pose that question today. I'm sure all of us as individuals, we have areas in our life where we need to transition. Maybe you've been feeling this for a while. You've been feeling like God's just been knocking on your heart and asking you to go to a deeper level of commitment with him or to his church, to be more open to relationships in church. Maybe he's asking you to trust him with your future or whatever it may be. You, you know better than anyone else what God has been speaking into your heart. And I just want to encourage you this morning to be open to the Lord to encourage you to take that next step as we look at these transitions and how we, we can all struggle with the same things. We all struggle with not knowing the details, with things being inconvenient, with things being scary. And so I just want to encourage you here this morning to remain open to God and Keep that teachable spirit because that is going to bring huge breakthrough in your life and it's going to bless so many people around you. Amen? So as I said, what is interesting when we look at the life of Jesus and his disciples is that Jesus is constantly asking his disciples, as I said, to make transitions, to make a change. And one particular example of that I want to read um, that we've been talking a lot about recently, actually. John 21, 15 to 17 you have your Bibles, you can turn there right now. It's up on the screen, I believe, as well. Pick it up in verse 15. It says that when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And it goes on. What it, there's, there's, there's so much in that passage because as we know, this is after the point where Peter had denied Jesus three times. And so the fact that Jesus asked him three times, there must have been a, a, a guilt-tinged realization from Peter that even though in his heart he believed he loved Jesus, he wasn't willing before to, to, um, 
stand and witness for him. He, he left him, he abandoned him out of fear. And so there must have been a real, I, I could just imagine just kind of a battle in, in, in Peter's heart when he realized that he had fallen short. But what is probably even more interesting is the fact that what Jesus is doing here is actually using different words when he's talking about love. In the first two occasions, when, when Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? He's using the word agape. And if any of you know about that, the word agape is like the love of God. It's an unconditional love. It's like, I'm 100% and never forsake you. It's like, you're mine. Like just last week, as we were saying, you are, I'm your beloved and you are mine. It's, it's, it's like a, a concrete blood covenant commitment, all in 100%. I don't know how any other ways to explain it. It's, it's a pure love. But the third time, he changes the word that he uses for, when he asks him, do you love me? He uses the word phileo. And that is more of a friendship, brotherly love. And this is probably the love that Peter had before then. He had a respect for Jesus. He thought this guy was awesome. He, he could see that this was a good idea to follow this guy. But he wasn't at the point where his love was so mature that he was willing to go to death and follow Jesus that far. And he realized that when he denied him three times. So what Jesus is doing here, really, is he's challenging Peter. He's like, how much do you really love me? Do you just love me like phileo, like while things are good, we can be brothers and hang out? Or do you love me to the point of you'll follow me wherever I go? This is Jesus reinstating Peter. But more than that, he's actually preparing him for the future he had. Because as we know, Peter actually was crucified, but he asked to be crucified upside down because he didn't think he was worthy to follow in Jesus' footsteps. One of the greatest uh, missionaries in our history, we have so much to be thankful for the mission that he led in his life. And this was an important lesson for him. This was an important transition. He had to get to that point where he no longer just saw Jesus as a brother, as a, uh, as a rabbi, his teacher. He got to the point where he had that unconditional love, that he was nothing that he wasn't willing to surrender to God. He was all in. And, you know, I feel like you can see that throughout the Bible where God touches on things. He challenges the disciples to make a transition. So that was Peter. He, he was humbled, and he made that transition, as we know. If you look in the book of Acts, you can see the feats that the apostles did after that point, after they had made that transition, and they realized what was at stake. They realized who this Jesus really was. They saw him in his true light. Things came together. They connected the dots that they were, they were struggling to grapple with before then. See, because Peter was promoted, but he was no longer just a disciple. Now he was a shepherd in his own right. So he had to make that transition. And Jesus was making that clear that it was first a transition of his heart that needed to happen. And that's really what a shepherd does. You know, if, I, if I look at leaders in my life, uh, Quinton, for example, our pastor, uh, they're always helping us see where we need to make change, and they'll create opportunities for that transition to happen. Quinton's always posing questions to us as leaders, uh, challenging us to grow, uh, seeing areas where we need to make an adjustment, where we need to maybe mature, where we, we, need, we need to grow or develop. And, and so it's, 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 his leadership is a lot 
like Jesus is it's, it's asking questions of us. It's making us aware where we need to change, where we need to make a transition. We all need to make some kind of transition in our lives. Maybe for you, it's to come to, as I said, a, a place of real commitment to Jesus. Maybe you've been kind of on the fence, on the edges, and you, know, you, you, you think church is interesting. You think this Jesus sounds awesome, but you haven't gone all in. You haven't made that commitment in your heart that I'm yours, Jesus. I, w- I want you to do with my life as you will, because I see that you are faithful. I, can, I see that I can trust in you. And even if it's a little bit scary, I want to take the plunge. I want to put my faith in you. Maybe that's you today. Or maybe, you're, maybe you just need to get more connected. You need to get more rooted in a community. You need to say, like, I've been around different churches. I've been checking out places, and I really like this place. So I'm going to make a decision that I'm going to commit to this house, and I'm going to be a blessing, and I know that I'm going to be blessed as I make that decision. For others, it could be, you know, taking a next step, making yourself available for serving in church, you know, saying, God, I want you to use me. I want you to show me who I am as I serve, as I, as I um, give of my gifts. I want you to reveal to me what you have placed upon my life by making myself available in serving. And for another person, it could be you just need to trust in God for a certain area of your life, whether it's your finances, whether it's a future uh, part, life partner, whether, whether it's something you've just been praying for for years, but maybe you've just kind of started to keep that to yourself because you don't want to be let down. You don't want to be hurt anymore. So maybe God is just asking you to transition from a place of despair to faith again, to dare to hope for your future. Now, God is constantly using people and situations to challenge us to grow into the wholehearted believers that we need to be, to navigate this life and fulfill his purposes. A lot, of, a lot is made of like the transient nature of the globalized world that we live in. I mean, Margaret is an example of that. We've been so blessed by the fact that we live in a globalized, transient world that people come and they bless us and you know, they join the worship team or they're just part of our connect groups. They add so much. And, and so Malmo really is um, a, a byproduct of the transient nature of the world. People are moving around as you've heard it said before, it's the fourth most international city in the world. The diversity is crazy. And I love that. But of course, the flip side of that is that people also move on quite often. And so there's a, there's a churn of people coming to Malmo and also to our church. But you know, uh, I think even a bigger issue is that that transient nature of the world we live in today can kind of creep into our habits and our lifestyles that we, we like to keep our options open. We like to see ourselves as independent and autonomous. And in fact, those are probably the two values that we cherish the most today in this like, postmodern world is that we are independent. You know, I'm autonomous. You know, I, I get my information from all these different sources, and I make my own decisions and my own choices. And so the idea of church, the idea of committing to something bigger than yourself, the idea of surrendering your will to God, that doesn't really sit well with today's generation. And so we can struggle with that. And that's probably the reason why people don't come to church every week. It's probably the reason why people don't commit 100% to any one church or keep their options open or not ready to surrender their whole lives to Jesus because it kind of goes against the grain. It's, it's, it's countercultural in this part of the world. You know, in other parts of the world, that might not be true. You know, community is highly valued. People realize that 
You know, in order to, to thrive in life, you need a community. If you can raise a kid, you need a village, the African proverb. We can't do life alone. But in this part of the world, we seem to think that we can do things alone. That we actually don't need community. And so God, I believe, for, for this part of the world is definitely asking, and specifically in those areas, for us to transition from that way of thinking to realize that, hey, God, I need your community. Hey, I, I, I need a rock-solid relationship with you. I need your input in my life. You know, I, I don't know everything. I can't do any, everything. I don't understand everything. So I'm going to lean on your word. I'm going to lean on your Holy Spirit's leading, and I'm going to lean on the support of the community that you have given me and blessed me with. Amen. So, you know, um, this is a, as a follow of Jesus, we're in a constant state. We should be at least a constant state of change, a transition of maturing. And, and it's a deepening of relationship. It's, it's a surrendering. And, and so it's so, as I said, it's countercultural. The idea that people almost see it as an oxymoron. How, how can you say it's freedom when you're actually surrendering? And that is kind of the beauty with God, is that he is telling us to give our lives to him, and he will actually free us from the bondage of the world that is actually misselling us independence. It's misselling us the idea that, you know, we, we should just have all our options open. We should just do, follow our feelings, and we can actually become a slave to our emotions. We can be a slave to the, the ups and downs of the world, the changing of the wind, uh, what's popular on social media, what are, what are people's, what does people worldview from this month to the next month? But I love the fact, the freedom that I have, that, hey, I don't have to wonder what the right answer is. I've got it right here. I don't have to be fearful or anxious about the economy or any situation that might be bubbling up in the news because I know that my God is faithful. That is the freedom that Jesus offers. Amen? You know, transition, this word, it's the act of passing from one state or place to the next, or an event that results in transformation. You know, the Bible talks a lot about that we are being conformed into the image of God again. So we, we, were actually, we are all created in the image of God, but there's a restoration that needs to take place in our life, that there's a lot of things that God needs to take out, wrong thinking, just like I've been referencing now, and he needs to do a restoration job into us. And so the Bible talks about how we go from glory to glory, that we're on a journey, that God is, is, is doing a, a beautiful restoration project on us. And so we need to, at times, transition from one place to another. We, we need to be active and intentional about these changes that we need to, we need to do in our life, these, these projects that God wants to do on our hearts. Amen? We need transformation, and transformation happens when there is movement. There is actually an onus on us to be active in this. It's not just God spoon-feeding us growth. We actually have to partner with him and actually make decisions and allow him to work in our lives. Amen? So last week, Shetel was talking about that transition of trusting his heart fully to Jesus and how that transformed his relationship with him. And I, I can attest to that, that when you get... Just a glimpse, as I said. It's only a glimpse. Because I think if we, if we realized how much God loved us, I mean, it would be overwhelming. You know, and if, if you are a parent, you, you have moments where you almost get scared how much you love your kid. So I'm thinking, like, where does that come from? And that comes from God. 
and how pure his heart is for us, I don't think we could, we could contain it. I don't think we could fathom how much God loves us. And so God gives us a glimpse. At times, we just, you just get, in the, in the, in, it's often in the quiet moments. You know, you're just reflecting on things, reflecting on God's goodness, and you just get this overwhelming sense of, wow, God, you really love me. And it's, it's heavy, man. I've got to tell you, it's heavy on the emotions, but it's just a glimpse. God wants to transform us. He, want, he wants us to, to mature in him. He wants to change our thought patterns. He wants to change our actions. He wants us to change our confession. But we've got to be responsive in this. This is a relationship. You know, he's not forcing anything on us. He's inviting us. It's always an invitation. Come, see and taste, as we were talking about last week, that God is good. And once you get a taste, once you see the fruit of that, transition in your life, you're going to want more of it in your life. You're going to, you're going to want to continue to allow God to, to grow you and to mature you and, to and see the beautiful fruit that he can uh, develop in you and through you. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, one example of, of someone who was given an opportunity to make a transition is the rich young ruler. I'm going to read that in uh, Matthew 19, 16, 22. Let me just turn that. So I can pick it up on verse 16. Okay, it says here, Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good things must I do to get eternal life? What do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones, the man inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? And Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had a great wealth. And, um, you know, a lot of times people use that scripture to talk about how uh, clearly God is anti-wealth. You know, we shouldn't hoard riches. And a lot of maybe not sound teaching out of that. And I think they're missing the point of what God is trying to illustrate here because the guy is called the rich young ruler. So he obviously had some authority that was attached to his assets. They were attached to the fact that he was rich. He had a strong identity. I mean, the guy's called the rich young ruler. He's not called Mark or something else. They referenced him as the rich young ruler. So clearly he had a strong identity in his possessions. And that's what Jesus wanted to tackle there. You know, this isn't a story about charity. Instead, this is, this is that God wanted people to focus on obedience rather than sacrifice. This is an individual that is being challenged to transition to a deeper relationship. And Jesus touched on the very thing that he wasn't willing to surrender. He wasn't willing to surrender his position, his status. He was like, God, I'll, I'll obey you in all these things. I'll give that part of my life over to you, but I, I'm not willing to let you in on this part. You know, if, if God knew that his heart was, hey, money comes and goes, you have my heart, I'll do whatever you say, he probably would never even have asked him. I don't think God was even care, cared about the money. He's got resources. What he cared about was the fact that his heart 
was, was closed off in a certain area, that he wasn't willing to surrender his whole heart. And the guy came and posed the question, what can I do to get eternal life? How, how do I surrender my life to you? And Jesus is like, well, it's pretty clear. You're, you're not surrendering your whole life to me. And so we might not identify ourselves as a rich young ruler, uh, but there's definitely always areas in our life that we kind of conceal off, that we were maybe not so willing to let God into. Some things come easy to us, and it's different for every person. You know, some people are, are um, super social and really community is a great thing, and they, they love, you know, connect groups and things like that. Other people that like to keep more private, and maybe that's more of a challenge is to accept the idea that, you know, God doesn't want us to do life alone, that we're supposed to do life together. For another person, it might be about your finances. Maybe you've had a bad experience. A lot of people have been ripped off. A lot of people have had uh, situations in their life where they've struggled for money. And so, of course, trusting God with your finances is a lot tougher. If you haven't had that modeled in your life, then you're going to struggle and you're going to find that a bigger challenge. So the point of this passage is not, to, it's, it's not about money. It's about are you willing to trust God with all of your life? See, because the rich young ruler, he missed his opportunity to transition. None of us are like Jesus. We aren't as responsive as him. We aren't as obedient as he was in his life. But there is a grace for you if you recognize that you have stalled when God has challenged you. And, and, and he wants to you to move on this morning. Whatever it is, if, if you've stalled at any point and you realize that you haven't been willing to let God in, in, in certain areas of your life, you haven't had a yes in your spirit when God has asked certain things of you, there's an opportunity this morning. Just give that part of your heart over to God this morning and, and allow him to transition you into a new phase of your life. I had a bunch of reasons why we, um, we don't make transition in life, and um, I'm going to skip over that because what I want to do is I want to give an opportunity. So um, I've spoken to a lot of you about my mum before, and uh, you know that she's an amazing, encouraging person. Every time I come to Malmo, my mum seems to find people. It's like, we'll go to the cafe the other day, and uh, all of a sudden this guy wants to come and sit down next to us because my mum started chatting to him at the coffee bar. And this never happens. So I go to hipster places, right? So nobody talks to you, right? You just go there, you order your coffee, you drink it. Oh, this is really fruity and lovely. And then you go, right? When, whenever I go to a cafe with my mum, the, the baristas are talking to us. People are coming over. Oh, where are you from? And, and so short, long story short, I now added this guy on Facebook, and he's going to come visit my mum in Devon. Uh, that, that's the kind of normal stuff that happens when my mum's in town. Uh, yeah, so as you can tell, I'm pretty proud of son. But um, one of the things you might not, I don't know if you maybe heard it before, is that I grew up in a pub, so in a bar. So my, my dad, who's not a Christian, he has um, a family business. Is we had pubs. Um, we had a brewery. So we actually make alcohol. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it might be a shocker for some of you. <laughs> uh, and um, when I was, I remember as, as, as a young kid, my mum actually... Uh, made it come to a point where she felt like, I'm too dependent on alcohol, I'm going to stop drinking. And from that day, she said, I'm teetotal. She never drank again. And I can remember before and after, and it was a huge um, difference in our life. And God did something amazing because of that transition that she made. 
And I'm sure that wasn't the first time you felt that. You just felt like, okay, this is it. I've got to make a change in my life. I've got to make an adjustment. And then, of course, that might not be the same for everyone. It's a unique situation. Sometimes God asks us to give up certain things because it's a problem in our life. And that's what my mum did. And the crazy thing, this is God has got a real good sense of humor, right? We're publicans. We go to brewery. My mum starts working with the AA, right? It's <laughs> Alcoholics Anonymous. So mum started working with a 12-step program uh, many years ago, trying to help people in a similar situation that she felt where she had a, an unhealthy dependency on something. And so what I want to do is get her to come and share about the program that she's been running for many years now and just the, kind of the fruit that she's seen. So just welcome my mum. <laughs> oh, wow, I love my boy so much. I'm so proud of you. Oh, he's wonderful. Oh, it's so lovely to be here with you all. Thank you so much for your love. And you always make me feel so welcome. And, you know, the sound and that worship today was just so powerful. You know, I just thank you so much. And it was wonderful. Yes, I, I, as I usually say, Alcoholics Anonymous, I'm Debbie and I'm a recovered alcoholic. But you know what we say? I say, I'm Debbie, I'm a recovered. I never say I'm a recovered alcoholic. Now I say, hi, I'm Debbie and I'm recovered from a hopeless, helpless disease of alcoholism. And, but God is so faithful. Um, through that, as Justin was saying, I work on um, retreats, 12-step retreats, and it's called Came to Believe Retreats. And um, for the last 16 years, we've done, oh, sometimes I do like nine a year, nine weekends a year, and um, we've got, um, it's spreading. It's like a fire that God has started and I work with a lovely couple, Paul and Eileen Doyle, who he went over to America and um, was sponsored by um, uh, Steve Foreman, who was sponsored by Clarence Snyder, who was third generation AA. And AA started, um, as it, you know, Bill W. had a spiritual awakening in an asylum. They said, you're either going to die, you're going to have wet brain, you're going to die, or go insane. And the whole room lit up. He cried out to God. And they wrote the... Um, book of Alcoholics Anonymous and we follow that book but it's all about Jesus we do the third edition and it's been watered down over the years and we are so blessed in our meeting that we start with the Lord's Prayer we, you know we have prayer before to invite the Holy Spirit into the meeting and we get Narcotics Anonymous, we get Cocaine Anonymous Overeaters um, you know people struggling with all sorts of addiction and um, we have the opportunity as well to pray for people to receive Christ after the meetings. And um, people come from very, you know, it's all different meetings. Some of them are very strict, very controlling. But, you know, thank God for them. It's saved a lot of lives. You know, it's a, it's a journey. And they come in. And, and as I say, we do these retreats um, at Buckfast Abbey in Devon. And we do two there. And we do an island like this lovely lady, the worship lady's going to Dublin. I know a wonderful church in Dublin. I'll just share a quick uh, story about um, Sean in Dublin. The first time I met him, he was um, a bank robber in Dublin. And, um, and his wife that he has now was like Bonnie and Clyde. Her and her partner used to run from the drug dealers, run around. And, and now he's a pastor of an Elam church in Dublin and they're very, very run-down area in Dublin. And he's got a recovery bus where he gets them all in. And it's chaos, but it's wonderful. The kids just run around. They feed them. They, you know, they all join in on the worship. 
But now he's actually running Teen Challenge in Dublin, which is amazing, him and his wife. And so they've, they still like co-pastor the church. So I work with them quite a lot. I work with um, a lovely lady, um, Josh and Mick in Wales, and she recovered from sexual identity. You know, she was really struggling um, with her sexual identity and got wonderfully set. He has a wonderful husband and runs the, the Welsh retreats. What happens is people come to the retreat, they go through the 12 steps, and um, step three is um, realizing that your life is unmanageable and you need a new manager. So we pray for the Holy Spirit to come in the room. We've had fishermen, we've had famous painters that have painted the royal family, and obviously I won't say any names. We've had doctors' wives, we've had students. It's no respect of persons, is it? You know, addiction. And they come, and some of them come, and they come in, and we just love them. Do you know, the, we just feel God's favor for them. It's an anointing, it's like an open heaven in these retreats. And they come in, and you can see the fear. They've tried all the meetings, you know, don't drink, go to 90 meetings in 90 days. And, you know, and they'll say, you know, even miss your children's, um, you know, you know, plays at school. You must get to your meeting very controlling. And, and they come there, and we just love them, and they go through the 12 steps, and they do a list of the strongholds. We call the strongholds, we call it defects, you know, whether it's fear, resentment, you know, um, rejection, you know, just all, all sorts of the whole list. And we just go, someone does a step five, we invite the Holy Spirit to come in, and the Holy Spirit is just amazing. We've seen so many people having spiritual awakenings. And one chap as well, actually his brother lives in Gothenburg, and um, he came into the retreat at Backpast Abbey, and he was so anti-God. He said, "Don't want, I don't like this. something in your oh, I don't, I don't want to know about God. And, and we just loved him. And he came, and he had the most wonderful spiritual awakening. And now he's a vicar in the Church of England in Derbyshire. And, you know, we're all saying, we've got to start a retreat in Sweden. You know, we've got to go. Because what happens is, and we've got one in Venice, and we've got one in Spain. What happens, people come to the retreats. It's all over. We've got Liverpool... Um, Wales, you know, Ireland, we've got um, Cumbria, um, Bristol, and um, and through this as well, on Thursday I'm going up to lovely chap Alex, who's his 20th uh, sobriety birthday from Narcotics Anonymous and Alcoholism, and they've started something, him and Gavin have started something called Believers in Recovery through this, it's like a bridge between the fellowship of, of the meetings of AANA and CA and what's called, you know, and and they've started something, and it's um, where they all come in and share and say, hi, I'm John, and I'm recovered. And they'll just share a testimony about the worship. Oh, you know, they're radical worshippers. And um, they're going into the highways and byways, and they, they're going back into the fellowships. You know, they're going back. I mean, it's and just bringing people in. It's a massive, massive, you know, harvest field. I mean, this is just amazing. It's just It just blows me away. And we go down to meetings. We always say, you know, oh, let's go to a meeting down in Cornwall. And we'll go down and we'll, they always ask newcomers to share. And there'll be like 50 people in the room and we'll just share. And they're all sharing their war stories and how they're still angry. They still, you know, um, got resentment. But I didn't drink and I didn't take a drug, you know. And it's all about change. If the Holy Spirit isn't changing, you can't do it without the Holy Spirit. You can't do it without being plugged in to the power of God. 
and we go down there and we share, you know, we get so excited and we just share a tech, what God's done in our lives about the retreats. Some people are like, whoa, you know, no, no, we don't want this. And you go out for coffee and they sing, have you got a flyer? Have you got a flyer? And they always end up coming, you know, that's so exciting. And it's just, it's just, it's just so many wonderful, and even every Saturday we go into town um, I mean, I'm looking after my mum with dementia at the moment, and you know what? It's such a beautiful season of my life. She's so wonderful. Every time I go out with her, I end up talking to someone who's an addict, you know? It's like we sit on the waterfront, and we're just like, oh, wow, mum, isn't this lovely? She's going, oh, it's lovely. She's very Scottish. You know? Oh, it's a lovely hen. Oh, it's a lovely. I fear love you, you know? She's very sweet and very loves, you know, loves Jesus more today with the dementia than she did. Because some people can get a bit funny, can't they? But she's wonderful. And so we end up talking to people, and, and sorry, Justin, I don't know. And um, it, it's, just, it's just absolutely one. I could go on and on, but just as to say is um, these are so easy to set up because we've got everything you need. We just print it out, come as the team, get a venue, and go. I'll be, what would you become over a few days before? Go to all the meetings, Narcotics Anonymous, AA, you know, OA. We just go, and everyone speaks English, don't they? I'm not wherever I go, I always say about starting a retreat. You know, and we just go and we share, we hand out flyers, you know, and some of them come over to England, which is so cheap, isn't it? They come over, they do a 12 step retreat. I love this. Oh, wow, take other people. Can't we start one here? Yeah, sure. And we just go and we just do it. And, we, and then at the end of it, Paul and myself, we pray and pass the mantle on, and plant. it's church planting all around. I mean, it's, like I say, it's in Europe, all over. So many, I think it's like 13 different venues now, and it's all started from Paul Doyle. And I'm so blessed to be a part of this wonderful ministry. But thank you for letting me share today. And he is amazing. He's always been amazing. I could talk all day, but what what my boy? Do you know when he was? He had a surf shop. I'd quickly, he had a surf shop. And he used to, we used to do festivals with it. All the kids used to come in, all the skateboarders, and we'd do festivals. He said, oh, let's go down and get some skateboard ramps. So I had a, you know, the, the old band, didn't we? And we'd go and do festivals, and you'd invite professional skateboarders over, and we'd, they'd come and stay. And so many people came to Jesus. And, and then he had a DJing thing. He was doing DJing. And, you know, he's just always... Been passionate. He's amazing. You've got to brag on your boy, haven't you? Because he is amazing. Thank you. So, uh, now you know why you got, I got my mum up. It's an ego boost every time she comes. I feel like I was back in the supermarket. My mum always talks to the lady at the supermarket at the checkout. It's like, tells my whole life story. Like, I'm just visiting my son here. Thanks, ma'am. No, but it, it really is uh, amazing what is happening amongst um, people that have been struggling with addictions. And the reason why I wanted mum to touch on that is because uh, the 12-step program is pretty much a lot related to what we'll be talking about this morning. It's about surrendering a dependence to God. Uh, and we all have different issues. As mum out, outlined, a few different issues that people can struggle with in their life. But, I mean, they can be big or small uh, but they, they can have a huge effect on our life, right? And wherever we are in our journey, we need to make a transition to a place of greater dependence. I mean, that goes for me, that goes for everybody here. We, we need a greater dependence and trust in God's work in our lives. And what's at stake? Well, I mean, this, this is the, the greatest asset that we can have before Jesus is humility. 
is, is humbling ourselves and allowing God to work through us, allow him to transition us, allow him to point on things in our heart that we need to make changes in and allow him to, to lead you where he wants to take you because otherwise we're going to fail to experience the freedom and security that only Jesus offers. We're not going to come into that place so we can thrive. And um, you know, Quinton's talked a lot recently about the recipe for success and providing the right conditions, how we've got to keep a warm heart, we've got to keep a good attitude. If we, if we want to grow, we've got to do our part. We've got to create the conditions. And so a huge part of that is surrendering ourselves, is continually seeking God, seeking that wisdom that he has for us. God, what do you want to do in my life? Where do you want to take me? And just having that openness and that's, the, that, that's the, honestly like one of the most key things is just having that openness, having that humility. You can't do this on your own. You need God's insight in your life. You need his leading. You need a trust in the Holy Spirit. You need to lean on his word in order to see growth happen because there's a lot at stake. People, it's lives around you, the communities, there's people like my mum has been t- talking about that are looking for the, the grace that we have found that we can share with them that can radically transform their lives and take them out of far darker places than we might find ourselves in. Uh, I just want to invite the band up now as we come to a close. Uh, gone a little bit over today, but I hope you have enjoyed this message. Let's just stand as we, as we close off this service. I'd just like to pray for everyone here. As I said at the beginning of the service, I, I really feel like uh, God want to touch on certain things in our, in our hearts, certain things in our lives that maybe we, we know we haven't surrendered fully there. We haven't crossed over. We haven't made that transition. We haven't accepted where God is asking to take us. We're not very good in this day and age of taking commands. We, we want to know the details. We, we want it to be at a certain time. We want to have the right feelings. Um, we, we struggle with that. We struggle with this, this, this whole surrender issue but you know if we are willing to take that step if we're willing to surrender our lives if we're willing to accept that we need help if we stop running from God if we stop avoiding certain topics that we know that we have been avoiding if we can just give over our whole hearts to God we can get out of that rut we can get out of that place where we're, we just feel like we're going through the motions of being stuck in the same place. We can come to a place of prosperity. We can, we can thrive in our lives to the point where we can have a huge footprint in our life. We can look back on the legacy of our life and see how we've blessed people, that we've encouraged people, that we've been all that God wanted us to be, that we never stopped short because we weren't willing to make that transition. When God poses a question to us, we just say yes and amen because we know we can trust him. We know that he's a faithful father. We know that he loves us so greatly. And so I just want to pray for each and every person here this morning. Lord, I just, I thank you for that revelation that Shettle shared last week that you love us so greatly, Lord. We want to experience that agape love for you, Lord. We don't want to stop at phileo love. We, we don't want to just accept your teachings and have a, a Sunday relationship with you. We want to give over our whole lives to you. We want to be wholehearted followers of you, Lord, because we know not only is it, is it vital for us as individuals, but, Lord, this life is about more than me. And I, I need to be the all I can be. I need to allow you to work in my life and change things to do that restoration job in my heart so that my life can be for your glory. My life can have an impact on those around me, Lord, because I see around me, Lord, the needs. I see the people that are hurting, Lord, 
I see the people that need answers, Lord God. They, they need they need a hands and, and the feet of God in this world, Lord. And, and we want to be that, Lord God. We know what's at stake. Our families are at stake, Lord. The, the people around us, Lord. And if not for ourselves, for them, Lord. Let that be the driving force, Lord. Just that passion to, for others, Lord. It's what you've put in our heart, Lord. We yearn for that, that, that aspect that is greater than ourselves, Lord. Because we've realized that just living for ourselves... It never satisfies. That at the end of the day, we're going to be disappointed with our lives if it was just about us, Lord God. So we just open our hearts here this morning, Lord. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would minister to us. Maybe you need to remind us of some things that we need to take care of. Maybe you're challenging us right now to take a next step, to make a transition, to trust you in that area, to be more dependent on you. And Lord, I thank you as we do that, as we make those decisions, Lord, I thank you that you just fan the flame in us, Lord God, that our, our faith may rise, Lord God. You would just quieten any fears or just accusations that would try to disqualify us from moving forward in our lives, Lord. I just thank you that you are for us, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that we can go forward with confidence knowing that you are a loving Father and you have a plan to prosper us, Lord, not to harm us, Lord, not to leave us anywhere, Lord, but Lord, you always want to take us to a greater place, Lord, so we can be a greater blessing to our world, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus.